Please pray with me. God of grace, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. It is hard to mourn and to celebrate all in one week. Never mind one week, even one day, particularly on Friday. On Friday, we heard news of the United States Supreme Court ruling, which made equal access to legal marriage for same-sex couples the law of the land, applicable now in all 50 states. On Friday, we also heard and watched the memorial service for the Reverend Clementa Pinckney, the late pastor of Emmanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church in Charleston, South Carolina, one of the nine black people shot and killed during Bible study a week and a half ago. We heard President of the United States, Barack Obama, deliver a most moving eulogy for Reverend Pinckney. It is hard to mourn and to celebrate all at the same time. It is hard to hold it all. And yet, here we are. We do mourn and we celebrate. And we know there is work yet to do. Many of us are asking what to do next. When I was in seminary, I was lucky enough to have a friend who had kayaks and we would go kayaking together. On one of our outings together, she told me that I would make a good mom. Why? Because I always brought plenty of snacks. <laughs> it is true, whether it's a hike or a kayak trip, you can count on me to bring plenty of snacks. Now, we all know very well that in the full picture of what it takes to be a parent, bringing plenty of snacks is a very, very small thing. Really, it barely makes the list. Our scripture, morning, our scripture story this morning is the story of the feeding of the 5,000. We find this story in all four of our Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all include this story. But John tells the story in a unique way. Only John's version of the story tells us that there was one particular boy who brought five loaves and two fish. In the other Gospels, it sounds like the disciples themselves brought the food, or maybe they pulled the crowd and threw the crowd all together. They came up with these five loaves and two fish. But in John's Gospel, it is one boy. I think of him as the boy who remembered to pack a lunch. At annual conference this year, the annual meeting of United Methodists in our region, we had a wonderful keynote speaker. Her name is Alexia Salvatierra. She is the co-author of a book titled Faith-Rooted Organizing, Mobilizing the Church in Service to the World. She herself is a community organizer and also ordained as a Lutheran pastor, and her social justice work is 100% motivated by her faith. 
her stories of faith communities working successfully for social change and social justice were incredibly inspiring. She shared a lot of good information and perspective. She talked about models for doing service work and, and said that we often work at multiple levels. You're probably all familiar with the saying that if you give a man a fish, he eats for a day. If you teach a man to fish, he eats for a lifetime. Salvatierra would say that these are two kinds of social justice work that the church engages in. Sometimes we give people fish. We feed the hungry. Sometimes we teach people to fish. We mentor and teach and encourage people to build the skills for a better life. And she adds more options. We can also fish together, forming a community of mutual support and exchange of skills and resources. And sometimes what we need to do is take down the fence that's been put around the fish pond. We need to work on structures that prevent equal access to the resources people need. This is a different kind of advocacy and organizing work. So there are all kinds of ways we can work for change. Multiple levels of work for social justice, and each level matters. Some of us perhaps will read the book The New Jim Crow and gather in our Adult Contemporary Issues Forum on Sunday mornings in the coming weeks to talk about it. And maybe this will give us some ideas for things we can do to work for racial justice. Maybe there is work we can do to promote the restoration of the Voting Rights Act since voter registration laws disproportionately disenfranchise poor African Americans and other people of color. Maybe we can work for the passage of the Employment Non-Discrimination Act so that gays and lesbians who can now be married will also be free from being fired from their jobs or denied housing on the basis of sexual orientation. Maybe we can look at what needs to be done to make the world a safer and more loving place for our transgender brothers and sisters. And the Employment Non-Discrimination Act is something that helps there, too. Sometimes the right action is as direct and as bold as to climb that flagpole on the grounds of the South Carolina State Capitol and take down the Confederate flag yourself as a brave woman named Bree Newsom did yesterday. And for those of us who might not be strong and able-bodied enough to climb a flagpole, maybe our small role is to contribute to the fund to help cover her, the cost of her legal defense. President Obama acknowledged the small and large steps it takes to work for justice when he spoke Friday about the Supreme Court decision. Progress on this journey often comes in small increments, he said. Sometimes two step forward, one step back, compelled by the persistent effort of dedicated citizens. And then sometimes there are days like this, when that slow, steady effort is rewarded with justice that arrives like a thunderbolt. He goes on to describe the difference the Supreme Court decision makes and then says, that's the consequence 
of a decision from the Supreme Court. But more importantly, it is a consequence of the countless small acts of courage of millions of people across decades who stood up, who came out, talked to parents, parents who loved their children no matter what, folks who were willing to endure bullying and taunts and stayed strong and came to believe in themselves and who they were. There is so much work to be done, and there is no end to the variety of ways we can work to make a difference. Even giving one person one fish is a part of the work to change the world. We don't all have the same gifts. We don't all have the same energy, and we don't all approach things the same way. But we all have something we can do. Maybe, like me, what you can do is bring plenty of snacks. We think that's a small thing, tiny. But Jesus magnified it into so much more. And one word for that is grace. In listening to our annual conference keynote presentations, I was particularly impacted by one point made by Alexia Salvatierra. She says that too often, people of faith become atheists in the public square. Our faith is strong and central in our personal lives and in our churches. But when it comes to the public square, to the work of justice, we act like atheists. We think it's all up to us. We think all change and progress depends on human action. We behave as though God isn't really involved. One of the dangers in becoming like atheists in the public square is that we can be much more likely to become discouraged, or worse, to give up. We are all too aware of the limits of our own abilities. I know that bringing snacks doesn't contribute much. But one day, near the Sea of Galilee, 5,000 people gathered to see this Jesus fellow because they were impressed with what Jesus had been up to so far. And one kid remembered to pack a lunch. And that small thing he did was multiplied and magnified until everyone had enough to eat. So maybe my message today is a very plain, rather old-fashioned exhortation to have faith. Let's not reserve our faith for Sunday mornings or weekday Bible studies or our private prayers at home. Let's not become like atheists when we enter the public square. Have faith. Because even when we don't know what to do, or more importantly, when we know that what we can do isn't enough, isn't enough to dismantle the systemic structures of racism, isn't enough to continue the struggles for equal rights until there are the rights that are remaining to be won are won. Even when what we can do is not enough, God does magnify our own efforts. God magnifies our own gifts. 
It was Jesus who took that boy's five loaves and two fish and distributed them to the crowd. Not the boy, not the disciples. Jesus did it. And maybe the feeding of the 5,000 is the story of a miracle. And maybe 21st century people don't believe in miracles. But isn't forgiveness in the face of extreme violence and hate a miracle? We witnessed such a miracle as a present-day reality in the incredible response from the families of those killed at Emmanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church in Charleston. I think that is a miracle. Isn't God's grace itself a miracle? President Barack Obama understands something about God's grace, and we heard that in his eulogy for Reverend Clementa Pinckney on Friday. The president said, The killer surely sensed the meaning of his violent act. It was an act that drew on a long history of bombs and arson and shots fired at churches, not random, but as a means of control, a way to terrorize and oppress, an act that he imagined would incite fear and recrimination, violence and suspicion, an act that he presumed would deepen divisions that trace back to our nation's original sin. Oh, but God works in mysterious ways. God has different ideas. He didn't know he was being used by God. Blinded by hatred, the alleged killer could not see the grace surrounding Reverend Pinckney and that Bible study group, the light of love that shone as they opened the church doors and invited a stranger to join in their prayer circle. The alleged killer could have never anticipated the way the families of the fallen would respond when they saw him in court, in the midst of unspeakable grief, with words of forgiveness. He couldn't imagine that. The alleged killer could not imagine how the city of Charleston, under the good and wise leadership of Mayor Riley, how the state of South Carolina, how the United States of America would respond not merely with revulsion at his evil act, but with big-hearted generosity and, more importantly, with a thoughtful introspection and self-examination that we so rarely see in public life. Blinded by hatred, he failed to comprehend what Reverend Pinckney so well understood the power of God's grace. As a nation, out of this terrible tragedy, God has visited grace upon us, for God has allowed us to see where we've been blind. That from the president. Let's have faith. Faith that God can make more of our small efforts and small abilities, more than we can imagine. Because maybe it's true that we are not enough. Maybe it's true that you are nothing more than that one kid who remembered to pack a lunch. And maybe, by the grace of God, that is enough. 
So if you've been feeling helpless, please do not lose heart. Do not be a Christian in private and an atheist in the public square. Have faith. If what you can do is not enough, do it anyway. Believe that by the grace of God, whatever you can do matters and will make a difference. I saw many of you Wednesday night as people of the community of Davis gathered for a vigil in honor of the lives lost in Charleston. And as we gathered at that vigil, we sang together Amazing Grace. The President of the United States closed his eulogy on Friday morning singing Amazing Grace. And we here this morning, people of faith who by God's grace are dedicated to justice, we join now in singing Amazing Grace.